drinking. <sighs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast based on writers sitting around drinking coffee or wine and talking about writing, publishing, the whole creative process. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. Your hosts today are John Schmidt, Chaz Brenchley, Karen Brenchley, David Welsh, and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode 30, Not Safe for Work. XXX. Yes, indeed. This is episode triple X. So it would be wrong not to honor that numeral designation. And talk about Romans. Yes, we're going to talk Romans, but more importantly, we're going to talk about sex and romance. And there's an ocean of possible targets here under the 30X. So I've arbitrarily chosen to narrow our focus on some questions on how we and our other favorite authors um, use sex to advance a plot. And um, it is going to be a little bit out of bounds to discuss porn because we're only PG-13. And yet you know. (laughs) Which we will define as stories which are entirely about sex with only enough plot to advance the activity of people having sex again. Yeah, my my definition of porn is it's not a story, it's a sex aid. And I speak as someone who has written this. Uh, Yeah, I... Hands up if we've uh, written porn. My hands up. (laughs) Jess's hands up. John's hands up. Dave looks frowny. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of, um, in the self-help literature and so forth, there's kind of, it's it's kind of axiomatic that porn is a bad example to follow if you're actually trying to learn to do the sex. So how do you define it as such? (laughs) I see a, a contradiction here. I do not. I know what porn is. It is, as Jeannie said, sex for sex's sake. And I want it. I once took a wonderful book, Yale Carringer's book. Uh, it, it had fish and werewolves in it, and I'll have to remember the title later. But um, I took it to a dear friend who said, Oh, that's not porn. That's not even erotica. That's just a romance. But. Ferreting out the difference between a romance and erotica and porn can wait. Oh, I, I was just about to dive in there. <laughs> right then. Splash. Well, actually, I wanted to jump in there, too, because one of the most erotic love story books that had no touching, no taking off of clothes or anything else is um, Dorothy Sayers' Gowdy Knight. Okay? Because Peter, this is a Peter Whimsy mystery from way back when. And he and his and his true love are just they're talking poetry. Okay, they're very learned. They're they're seducing each other at this very high level, and it's 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 sexy. It is a sexy, sexy piece, and no and no clothes. Um, I mean, no clothes get taken off. There is a scene where he takes off his blazer in the punt. And then he falls asleep. And this is the moment where she actually falls in love with him. Um, and, and she leans across him to extract a book from his blazer pocket. So totally clothes get taken off. But it is one of the most erotic <laughs> moments in fiction. Yes. Oh. Well, I, I was going to say I, I have favorites from when I was in second grade or so. William Bostock wrote a story called I, Cleopatra, and my grandmother had it. And uh, Cleopatra has graphic sex with Charmian and her maid. Really? And then um, Caesar and then Anthony. Certainly. 
So I found these books very squirmy and probably inappropriate now, and nobody would let kids read it. But, you know, then it was followed by Clavel, which my grandmother, who was, by the way... James Clavel. James Clavel. She was getting her English degree when I was learning to read. So, you know. Yeah. James Clavel, and it was Shogun in particular, had, you know, right before the Richard Chamberlain came out. And there was sex, and it was there, and it made sense in the plot. And it was just, it wasn't about sex, but sex happened, and it was just a natural part of the story. So that was, those were two of the examples of that I thought of. These are, it was an important part, because Cleopatra seduced people to change history. So you can't have a story of Cleopatra without, I guess, having a sex scene. Um, But, I mean... If Cleopatra um, seduced people to change history, um, then what I want what I wanted to say was that I don't use sex in a story to advance the plot like that. It's not there to say, okay, if we have sex now, then things will change, and da da da. Um, I. If, if characters in my books have sex, it's because their relationship has advanced to the point where they want to have sex. You have written... Yes. Uh, you have written... Yes. A, a six-book series in which one poor woman is married to two men, and she never gets to have sex. That is true. So. <laughs> Again, um, you know, it's, okay. it was about the characters and the relationships so, and, and admittedly the politics. Right, and so you're definitely not writing porn. To go back to I, Cleopatra, Okay. Uh, one of the... It, it, it's... One of the advantages of writing that sex is that you are showing the power of that character. Mm-hmm. She seduces him. Mm-hmm. She yes. takes that power. And when we talk about sex, and we can talk about the male gaze and the female gaze and many things, but just that note was important to say. You don't tend to advance your plots that way. But you write strong women and you show them in many, many ways. You don't need to use sex to advance your plot that way. Yeah, I mean, I think I just have a, as usual, I have a contrary approach. Um, I'm not, I mean, there is a school of thought out there that says that every scene needs to advance the plot. Indeed, that, indeed, that every paragraph, every sentence needs to move the plot forward. And I just don't, I do not subscribe to this. Um, I think I think there is time, particularly in a novel, but you can find time in a short story too, um, just to develop character and and to let let things play out in characters' lives the way they would. And people have sex. Um, you know, it's not it's not always a means to an end. It's not always a tool to to to, to manipulate your, things. A lot of your stories are very character driven, so that is kind of the plot in a way. So I think. Uh. Yeah. The hero's journey. Chaz, you're a very heroic journey sort of man. I, I love you. The Lords of Light, you know, Desdemona, all of these are a hero's journey in their own way. And they're beautiful. And they may or may not need that. But then sometimes people have used sex like I see it on on TV. And I have one recently that was really just bugging the crap out of me. So you guys are going to hear about it. I have not read The Expanse. So I, so I need, you know, who's, who's read it here? The I, novels? Have, I have read the novel. Um, we're talking James S.A. Corey. That's yeah. the one. Yes. Those, um, those two gentlemen. Yes. Um, so in the opening scene, 
somewhere near the opening scene of the TV. Yeah, yeah. We we need to be clear about this. The main character guy is banging this girl in zero G, and it is one hot love scene with two rocking bodies in zero G, and you know all of that because basically we ice that girl very quickly. She gets fridged right away, which becomes a motivating factor that we are hinted at of, ah, yes, he might have had feelings for her, but now she's dead, so that's a motivating factor for him to move on. And then at the end of season one, there's this moment of, well, for other feminist reasons, it bugged the crap out of me, of the strong female lead saying, oh gosh, that was a rough decision. I just make hate making those. You should take over for me, you darling man. And, <laughs> and then I he, don't remember this from the book. And then he takes her clothes off and they, they have matching underwear, which of course means that they're shagging in an airlock. So for me, this was like, it was like sex was used twice because we have to have sex and it has to be uh-huh. indicative of something. I'm, and I'm, it was yeah. completely unnecessary. I'm, I'm sure. The second time, but not the first. Well, the first time was just, if you were showing intimacy, you could lean over Peter Whimsy or in, in the, the thing and brush and decide he's fallen asleep and you have this fond, fond moment, a wisp of care moved back out of his face. There are ways to show I intimacy. I don't think you understand how Hollywood works. <laughs> oh, she does. But, uh, but yeah, I, no, the, 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 the rules of television are very different from the rules of fiction. Um, and I... Hello. Are they different or are they considering a different audience? Are they ex- was the expense made for a bunch of guys to watch or for guys and girls to watch? I don't know. I, I, I have oh. not watched it. Hello, John. <laughs> you want to say things, I can tell. Uh, we're getting off track. Uh, I do want to take a moment and mention anyone who doesn't know it or have someone else explain it what fridging someone is. Ah, fridging. Fridging is when you say, I am going to take a meaningful character, show you a beautiful relationship, and then I'm going to shove one in a refrigerator or ice or freezer or death or whatever it takes. Usually death. Usually death. In deep space in the case of... In order to provide emotional motivation for the lead male character to be able to accomplish the rest of the plot. Usually that way. There must must be examples where blokes get fridged. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very rarely. Yes. All people just don't know. Wait, wait, wait. At the end of Wonder Woman... This will be a different issue. Let's remember at the end of Wonder Woman, we fridged Steve... Oh, yeah, that's right. Major Major Steve. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Chris Pine. We we, we fridged Chris Pine, which will hopefully be a piece of her motivation later, because... He gets unfridged. Oh. But no, no, it's a different one, but but with the same name. And he's been cloned. Yeah, something. I I have no idea. So, yeah, it's, you know, the Punisher was used it. They, They killed off all the characters. John Wick and the freaking dog, okay? They fridged his dog in order to give him motivation and his wife. They double fridged him, but it came up (laughs) especially after, um, well, I became aware of it especially after Deadpool. Oh, yeah, Deadpool. Where the whole motivation was the dead wife. And, Mm -hmm. and, And it's a valid point, not as related to sex scenes as it might be. Then, one of my favorites along these lines is a Harlan Ellison story, which is a boy and his dog, in which he's always trying to um, he's always trying to get laid, and and the the, it, the world has ended. It's a holocaust. Everyone is seeking food and sex. All these all these young men are seeking food and sex, and he has a talking dog. Okay, who helps him, and 
he finds a girl. Uh, they go down into the underground, which is, and they have sex in this preserved city, and they have lots and lots of sex. And then she um, goes out with him. She, he gets her to leave. He finds out that his dog has been waiting for him and is starving, so he feeds the girl to the dog. And he says, she kept asking me, asking me, do you know what love is? Sure, I know. A boy loves his dog. Because... Yeah, I can see it, but it's it's that it's a friendship versus love versus versus men and women. I mean, it was a buddy movie. It's the same kind. It of is thing. a buddy movie. I would say a buddy movie more than. I, I was thinking more of like um, Richard Adams. I had read Watership Down, and I, I was told that you he recently read Watership Down that's to a, you. Beautiful, that's a bunny movie, not a buddy movie. However. <laughs> However, let's talk Richard Adams. You read the bunny movie, you think, oh, the man writes nice, fluffy bunny movies. And then you read Shardick and Maya. I've never read Maya, but I loved Shardick, but I've only read it once. Shardick has such graphic scenes that I still have them blazoned in my brain. This is why I've only read it once. Um, Yeah, I think it's probably a better book than Watership Down. But it's not a book I want to go back to. Yeah, and Maya, basically, from the start, was all about a prostitute. Right. Or a courtesan. So... Stolen later by, oh, what's her face that wrote Jacqueline Carey's series? I think very derivative oh, of yes, um, yeah, um, Cushiel. And then, oh, oh God, is, who who here's read Eric von Lustbader? Ah, ah, can I have a can I have a a, a, a twenty second rant about Eric van Lustbader? Do it, or Go. Eric van Lustbader, as you used to call him. <laughs> um, there was this thing. See, I, Eric van Lustbader. Um, for those who haven't read him, used to write huge fat international 1980s thrillers with lots and lots of um, martial arts and lots and lots of sex. Right. And it was a peculiar thing, but he he was very fond of describing in intimate detail oral sex, and particularly the man giving oral sex to the woman. Uh-huh. And this always somehow coincided with my meals. <laughs> That's just good luck, that is. (laughs) So it's like getting a pile of pancakes and you need your way through the middle. Yes, dear. Okay. (laughs) So was his name a a pen name and did he choose it particularly because of the lust part? I actually don't know. I don't know the answer. I'll go look that up. If it is a pen name, he has used it consistently and there's never been a suggestion that I've seen of his real name emerging. Um, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, he, moved, he moved on from writing his own books to writing Robert Ludlum's, the dead Robert Ludlum's books instead in recent years. So speaking of rampant hot toddy all the way through it, Clan of the Cave Bear. I oh. never read it. You never people, read those? Oh, my God. People all around of, me were reading them. Valley um, of the Horses. That, yes. that was like high school porn Gee, in a way. No. I think that's yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, I started reading them. It was it was all, all porn, no plot. I mean, and that, yeah. that if it's, I mean, it's a, there's a love story and a sex story. And I find that the sex stories are just, you know, the the sex is there, or, or often as you were, we were saying earlier, one of the people there is is our plot points. They're not people. Okay, they're there mm-hmm. to have you know the the body parts move together, <laughs> or however they're going to do, and then one of them wanders off, and and 
and and it, it's not even good sex. You know, it's like yeah. it's just boring. Yeah, well, that's that. That is one of the things um, about writing sex is that it's really really hard to make it interesting. Oh, okay. Oh, this is what an interesting <laughs> challenge. That I, I didn't have these notes, but now I want to say, everyone, think about for one second here. What one piece of advice would you give somebody for writing a sex scene? Okay. Chaz, you first. No, no. <laughs> I, I'll go first because I've had one that's in my oh. mind. Oh, okay. Shun euphemisms. <laughs> yes. Because yes. I, I have read maybe a, a lot of porn online at different mm -hmm. times. It happens. And mm -hmm. so here, here I have like five or six or 20 pages worth of porn. Yes. And you have called... <laughs> the same object the it's eggplant. like we are afraid to use the same word twice the so the eggplant <laughs> is the carrot it's the firm the it's the proud tower of his masculinity it is proud. his yes. hardness it is his yes. manhood it is yes. his on the other hand uh, I mean, this, this just demonstrates how difficult it is because the opposite of that is that the medical words that we all know are extremely unerotic, possibly deliberately so. Well, there's a theory that it's a penis when it's flaccid and it's a cock when it's hard. Yes, and you um, can just go with that. Well, this, when I when I have in my in my time, I have written erotica and I have frankly written porn. Yeah, and and yeah, I just call it a cock. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Not no, it is it is difficult. So that that's mine. It's the the yeah. avoid the euphemisms, the turgid men into her womanhood, into her. <laughs> sure, 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 <laughs> sure. But but I you know, I would want to say also avoid too much explicit anatomical details, especially yeah. if you don't. Oh my God! So in a, in my dad wrote a porno. He grabbed her by the cervix. Oh, no. <laughs> there was this wow. brilliant moment where the girl who's listening to the podcast and a link to the podcast. It's Lario stopped right there and said, this man does not understand anatomy. And she brought out a picture to show him. <laughs> now, my understanding is one of the other gentlemen was, was gay on it and had never really looked at a woman's anatomy, so did not know precisely what the cervix was. And the, the point for me was that, oh, my God, the other gentleman did also not know. I can see. And um, so don't use terms if you don't know what the hell they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, I mean, you're... You may know what the hell they are, but will you read her? Um, I, I don't know that. I'm encouraging you all immediately to go out and with bear traps. Yes. Whichever mm -hmm. way you go. Um, you know, oh. too much, too much euphemism. Oh. Too much euphemism. The bear is in the trap. <laughs> yes. The bear is in the trap. I'm going to find a way to use that euphemism uh -huh. now. <laughs> oh, there you go. Are they, are they together? Are they doing it? Yeah, the bear is totally in the trap. <laughs> So if you were spending and not so much time talking about his throbbing manhood goes into yes. her womanhood or whatever, yes. then then it, then we're moving into porn rather than than a love scene or, or you know it, it, it's the, it's how do they feel? Okay, it's not so much the, the oh, that's the not the bar that we established for porn though. Well, yeah. no, no, it's no. I'm saying for not for porn for to make an interesting story. How does the how do the people involved? Okay, yeah, you know his member is is in her whatever well, you want to call it. There's a there's throbbing member. Right. But how do they feel? What what emotions are they? There is a in there is an analogy here with fight scenes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Bring if it. you get too if you get too into the mechanics, yep. it becomes dull. Yes. 
Yes. Nobody really so cares except... How long should a air quote fight scene go on? Until somebody's dead. <laughs> well, the, 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 the petite mort. The thing is... <laughs> Bigly or literally, yes. We, I took a, a woman who was writing a fantasy novel to a... Um, to a convention and let her watch, you know, the SCA fighters fight. And afterwards she said, Oh, I didn't realize the fight would be that short. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and so it's, it's, it's things like that, you know, sex, you know, the throbbing members can go on for well, how long or whatever. I don't care. Again, it's, I think this is another case where Hollywood has kind of, has kind of poisoned the well because, um, Fight scenes in, in Hollywood are completely unrealistic, and they go on far too long. Oh, I was going to say, there's the short fight scenes as I'm fighting all of the goons, but the boss fight scene, like a video game, has to be the one that takes forever. Well, but yeah, but but in general, they're, they're far too long. There's too much. So do you realize that The Hobbit ruins this completely by having the entire smog fight scene end with one arrow? It's very dramatic, though. It is. Are we talking about the book or the film? The book. Okay, good. We don't yeah. talk about the film. Oh, the film no. was ridiculous. I'm sorry, Peter. Really, call me next time. I will yeah. help you edit that. I don't, yeah. Yeah, just completely fell down on the physics there as well, I think, yeah. with the bow. Um, <laughs> just. Anyway. Moving around. Anyway, I mean, there's. Bit. Let's there, not go down that rabbit small hole. And, and there's, to a certain extent, what kind what kind of a sex scene is needed to satisfy? Like if I'm writing a thrill, a thriller that is not a Steve Larson men doing terrible things to women. We're not supposed to be talking about, porn. We're, we're not talking about porn. Sorry, Steve, you're dead. But yes, um, they're still writing him though. <laughs> if I'm writing something terrible, I can usually resolve it in a couple paragraphs that are a page, no more than a page really. Well, no, for, no, so we're talking about love scenes. Okay. Sex scenes. Well, sex scenes and love scenes, there's an argument that well, they're different. Yeah, and I was just I was just thinking that too. But there's also so we're talking about sex. So 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 the 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 series I was ribbing Chaz about is actually has tons of other things going on. It just so happens to have male female characters who are supposed to get who are supposed to get busy and some of them never do. But some, <laughs> some, I may have heard about this one. <laughs> yes, his women characters so never have power. sex. But anyway, so the um, but what about romances? Okay, the point is the whole point of the book, no matter what it is, um, they're supposed to get together. Okay, they you know they and then there's then there's porn, not porn, but the. There's romances where they just fall in love at the end and, and fade to black, but then there's also, they actually have sex. Erotic okay? romances. Exactly, erotic romances. And I've read some of those, and again, some are really good. Some are really not good, <laughs> you know? I'm going to go all the way back to Jeannie's original question oh. and say that, not the original question, the most recent original question, blah, 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 <laughs> and say that... Um, if you're writing a sex scene, it is in a novel in miniature because it's mm-hmm. an approach. Hi, Dave. Hi, John. And then some excitement. I'm moving closer to him. And then Dave looks a climax. He gets up off the couch. And then <laughs> a denouement. He gives me the steely eye and sits back down, which he didn't because he's a stronger man than that. Um, and But when... <laughs> he's feeling used. <laughs> he is. 
Which is good. By, uh, by all here, because I haven't said a word, and yet <laughs> at least three of you have I'm in ascribed and actions. Karen Absolutely. has brought up an excellent point that is... That but that's nothing new around here, so... The, the, the waves of excitement to arousal to climax apply to the novel, apply to the romance, apply to the sex scene. So you're playing a game where you build them up and let them let them go, build them up and let them resolve. And so my second wish is that, for God's sake, resolve it and then give the poor men some refractory time. Yeah. Or women, it could be, you know. After the storm, let the flowers bloom. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm and saying. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, tell you what, John. I think we should find a couple romance novels and bring them on to talk. We'll do a whole episode on romance. I think that's an interesting topic. That'd be lovely. Yeah. Yes. All right. So coming soon, actual romance novels and, you know, the thing of that. Now, Chaz, you were saying something Hello. over Coffee Club the other day, talking about Andy Offutt. Andy Offutt. So when I was a teenager, um, reading nothing but science fiction. Or science fiction in school books, but mostly science fiction. Um, there was this writer I was very aware of, um, Andrew J. Andrew J. Offutt. And what the, the first reason I was aware of him was that he spelled his name without capitals, um, in the Ogden Nash sort of way. Or E. E. Cummings. E. E. Cummings. E. Cummings. Yes. E. Cummings. Yes. Um, that's probably what I meant. Um, and um and that sort of naturally drew my attention and he was he was a he was a good writer of short stories um i never um i don't think i ever read a novel but um anyway um that was all i knew until short while ago i came across a memoir by his son um called my father the pornographer <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, many of us have written um, pornography, frankly, um, as a as a sort of you know uh, as, a, as a back order. Um, but Andy Offutt, it was his main line of attack. He was, I mean, he certainly he wrote science fiction. He wrote many other things, but mostly he wrote porn, and he wrote it industrially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the most extraordinary life that he led, and that his his son is Chris Offutt, and 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 I highly recommend the memoir because it is my is father the my father the pornographer. Okay. Yeah, um, and he was uh, towards, towards the end. Um, Andy was writing pornography to commission for individual wealthy people, which I just think is awesome. Also, Chaz would like people to know that he's available I am to write for Yes. <laughs> I think John Norman has a kid somewhere oh, that says, Oh, my father, the, uh, oh, the gore uh, books. Yeah, that, da, 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 oh. da. Um, but Are they fantasy? Are they science fiction? Or are they porn? They are. Yes. He calls them science fiction. Um, there is nothing sciencey about them at all. Um, and I hope there's a lot of fiction about the, there's, yeah, there's certainly yeah, 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 yeah. fantasies. There is lots of fantasy. Um, no, I didn't know we were going to talk about John Norman. I have many things to say about John Norman. <laughs> right, um, yeah, but he is, yeah, no, I'm, I, I know people who know him. Um, he is, I mean, he is this sort of mild-mannered philosophy professor, retired <laughs> now, um, 
who, you know, you sit across... I have a friend who's a philosophy professor that I'm going to have to send a copy of this and say, so what are you secretly up to? Well, exactly. Um, but no, I mean, he, he apparently you sit across the lunch table with him um, and he is a charming companion. Um, until he gets onto the subject of his pe- particular fetish um, and, and how those... Giant dr- sparrows? Um, the giant yeah. sparrows are incidental. That's part of the. Don't the, be obtuse. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. No. He's. I mean, he's. He is just a. He, he is a bondage pornographer, um, and he is the classic example of how pornography can be boring, um, because the early books were readable, um, and then the more he got into the fetish thing, the more dull they became. John, the audience shifts. <laughs> For you, more boring. For a certain audience member, audience member, all the excitement. Think of, I mean, Laurel K. Hamilton did ah. not start out writing smut books. Right. She started out writing interesting modern urban supernatural fantasy. Sure. Um, I apparently smut sells nicely. <laughs> <laughs> About the time she hit double digits. About the time she had, well, it was like the first book of hers I read was book eight. And okay. In book eight, the Obsidian Butterfly of the first series, there was no sex in it. Oh. There was this magnificent I didn't romance. I she came without sex. I know, right? right? <laughs> it's this one book, but a serial killer wrote a letter that was We'll be doing dirty a completely separate podcast on Indian at some point. <laughs> but it... But then later, later it became yeah. a case that, uh, you know, everyone has sex with her to gain supernatural powers. And right. she is no longer, in my opinion, a writer of urban fantasy, fantasy supernatural. Okay. basically, she's joined the ranks of Emma Holly and Zoe Chant of I love them dearly, but they are not just fantasy. They're, they are romance porn. Um, they, they don't pretend to be. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They, exactly. Well, right, that's but she are. evolved from the one to the other. And at what point does she, yeah. she's either being disingenuous or she's say, admitting at some point, well, okay, this has become porn. Has or, anybody, this is, or this is what people want. Well, yeah. has anybody read any interviews with her? Has she said one way or the other what her <laughs> intention was? Absolutely no idea. Right? I don't know. Um, I, so, uh, final final thoughts on the the whole uh, writing scenes, though. Wait, Kit, you're writing. I'm sorry, you're writing yeah. Robin Hood. Yeah, I'm Karen. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing Robin Hood. So I'm writing Robin Hood, but I'm I'm taking. So the the there is a magnificent sex scene. Okay, and it's a, the the Robin and Marion finally get together is a magnificent sex scene, which is because he is um, asexual up until then because he is he's always he's in love with um, Marion Jesus or uh, Mary Jesus's mother he's always that's his saint okay this is remember this twelfth century this is his saint and he's in love with um, uh, he's in love with Marion. Uh, you know, there's Mary and Marion, and it's, yeah. you know, we, we get it. Not <laughs> twisted at all. No, Not twisted he, at all. He's got issues. Well, that, yeah, he's a character in a book. <laughs> okay, if we're going to start adding medieval cults into it, we got to have a whole nother. It, it, yeah, speaking right. of issues, I want a whole nother podcast yeah. on mindset. Because okay. it, it, combat and sex and worshipping a saint uh, I need it's, another it, podcast that's fair, that's that's fair. and I have a challenge I'm going to lay a challenge down to the listeners anyone who listens to this I challenge you to send us a story seed 
and I will take your idea and write a poem during a podcast about it and mm. perform it at the end of the poem. Mm. Someone Sweet. else may pick it up and do something better with it, mm. but I will give you, because all day today I've been thinking, what will I say? And poetry has just been erupting out of me, which uh, since I have a day job, is kind of dangerous, but moving on. We're, <laughs> we're definitely going to have to do that yeah, in yeah, that sounds like podcast yeah, later. In window, sorry. <laughs> anyway, Jeannie, what do you, what do you want to say? No, no, I was going to say, I just checking for, I was going to ask on your cowboy scene, do you have, yeah, boys out on the road, are you going to have sex? Um, no, it's a young adult novel. Okay. And we're not going to I assure delve you in. that I've read some young adult novels that yeah, have, have sex. Yes. I thought that was a blinkage. We're, we're not going to delve into that in this, this first one. Fair enough. So are you going to delve, uh, delve into cowboys are frequently secretly fond of each other? Nope. That's a lovely song. song, (laughs) Well, we will put links to stories and all the interesting things we discussed and songs on the website, which is www.ridersdrinkingcoffee.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. We live to answer emails, so John's challenge out there is a throwdown. (laughs) You've been listening to Riders Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. That's us. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre McGaffey Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is David Welsh. And John, John here has been learning to do it too. Hey, John. Our intro music is (laughs) Petty Maid Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, (laughs) both by Michael Langberg. You can hear more from Michael Langberg at manyhatsmusic.com. Our podcast sponsor is The Bean Scene and Flatbush Red Wine, and and today, definitely Kraken Rum. (laughs) 